The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. When you commit crime, there can never be any reason that you can give for killing a person. There is no reason under the sun. But in my case, what I would say is that I was, I was so obsessed with her. And she was so beautiful. I was so obsessed. And she was my fiancé. But you see, my problem was, many people think I'm joking when I say sex played a, a crucial role in what I did because I was so obsessed with her sex. And to some extent that when I was at home thinking about her, I, I would think that maybe she is with somebody. I would, I would, if she takes a taxi, I would, I would say, hey, I wonder who was in the taxi with her. I wonder who was talking to her. I was so jealous, and I just wanted her to myself. I didn't, I didn't give her that space to be herself, because after I had done it, I drank poison because I wanted to kill myself. What did you do to her? How did you kill her? I stabbed her multiple times. And that was my colleague Tepiso Makwetla yesterday on PM Live speaking to an anonymous uh, caller who killed his fiance, And that speaks to the issue that we continue to grapple with this morning on the Forum at 8, the issue of violence against women and children. And it's once again come under the spotlight as it uh, remains there all the time under the surface but then of course we have these waves like we have now but I I, I sit back and I try to think there's something very different in the air right about now not sure what it is but it just seems to be coming from all angles I don't know what's going on South Africa and maybe we should talk about this more and try to get to the bottom of all of this and this past weekend the charred body of three-year-old Courtney Peters from Elsie's River on the Cape Flats was found in a shallow grave in Epping and here in Gauteng, the bodies of four women was discovered in and around Soweto. And last month, the burnt body of Karabu Mukwena was discovered in an open fell north of Johannesburg in Lindhurst. So on the forum at eight this morning, we continue to talk about what is currently happening. It, it, it's an absolute, I, I don't even know what to call it at the moment. Um, as I said, um, there is an unraveling in the society, but it's unraveling in the most ghastly, most heinous way. And it is shocking to the point of paralysis in some instances. And um, there's a lot of outrage, which in itself needs to be tempered. But there are those who would say, how else do you deal with this? Because we've reached the end of our tether. We don't know what to do. What is the way forward? Where does the solution lie? How do we start to pick up these pieces uh, spoke to uh, Lynn Kaywood from Childline earlier, and you heard you heard the statistics. They are frightening. And if you think that this is something that can't happen to you, I always it's it's always been something for me that I always say, why can't it? 
why wouldn't it happen to me? Um, what makes me so special? Why does? Uh, why would I think that this would only happen to other people? It can happen to anybody, and it actually does. And joining us this morning is um, Lisa Vetten. Uh, thank you so much all for always coming through. Lisa, a researcher specializing in gender violence at the Witt uh, City Institution. Um, thanks for coming through, Lisa. Thanks very much, Sakina. Good morning to your listeners. And we also have with us uh, 24-year-old uh, Bugelwa Mwerane. And uh, Bugelwa was kidnapped at gunpoint at the Baraguana taxi rank in Soweto. And her story equally heart-wrenching, and she will share that with us. Thanks for coming through. Thank you very much for having me. I think, Lisa, let me start with you. Mm. Just in terms of help us, help us. As a society, what's going on? Well, we've been here before, which I think is what you were suggesting. And the last time was when Anine Boyson and Riva Steenkamp were murdered. So I think one of the things we should ask ourselves is why we keep going through these episodic cycles of amnesia, outrage, amnesia, outrage. And maybe that is part of the problem, is that, we, is that outrage becomes a substitute for action. And outrage is important, but outrage doesn't actually solve the problem. And you also cannot sustain outrage. There's just so long people can remain angry before something else happens or their attention moves on to something else. So I think one of the things that we need to be learning is how do we shift that outrage into something much more constructive? And also, how do we stop looking for quick fixes and solutions here? Because the unfortunate fact is this is not an easy problem to fix overnight. When you are working with people who may have all sorts of problems and difficulties in life, you don't change them by having a one-hour radio program in which you tell them to behave better, for mm-hmm. instance. So I think it's about we need us putting in place those more sustained solutions and not allowing them to work, not expecting overnight um, change. And in some instances, it's about investing more money in services. I think we know enough now to know that children who, particularly boys, who grow up being abused or watching their mothers being abused are at very high risk for becoming Adults who get into trouble. May I interject there? Mm. Because speaking to Lynn Kaywood from Childline earlier and talking about Mm. that uh, UCT study that was released Mm. last year, boys and their vulnerability in society, which is something that for the longest time Mm. uh, was neglected. Mm. You know, we focused a lot on girls Mm. and the impact that this sort of thing, violence, especially sexual violence, Mm. um, you know, how that manifests against boys in our society. And now we find that they may be even at greater risk Mm. than girls. They may be more vulnerable. And have we done anything to try and deal with that situation. Do we know what the actual statistics are for Mm. boys in our society? I think one of the problems we have here is that, unfortunately, our response to violence against women has become one that, with the very best of intentions, reinforces gendered stereotypes. And by that I mean us treating women as vulnerable, as in need of protection. Just the fact that we put women and children in the same sentence together can sometimes have the unfortunate consequence of suggesting that women are like children. They are people we need to look after and wrap in cotton wool. They need to stay home. They shouldn't be out at night where dangerous things could happen to them. Men must protect them. That is unfortunately a very conservative outlook, that kind of protectionism, because it suggests that women are the inevitable and natural victims of violence, and men are inevitably the aggressors and the violent people. So if we go and look at that UCT study, if you look at it more closely, you'll see that it's very clear that when we talk about sexual violence, Girls overwhelmingly remain the 
remain victims. But we see that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be neglecting what happens to boys. That study also seems to be suggesting that, you know, things like being shown pornography on your cell phone was where girls were uh, were less likely to be affected than boys. Mm. But that noted, I think we have to look at not just sexual violence, but boys being hit. Because one of the things that that does do is predispose them to, be, not, and I certainly don't want to suggest that every child, especially a male child who's abused, is going to themselves become abusive. But it does mean that instead of looking at that and acknowledging it and thinking about boys as vulnerable and as in need of protection, because they're boys, they must go and fight back or they must keep quiet or they must find some other manly way of standing up to what has been done to them. So we keep on repeating these cycles where we don't acknowledge men's vulnerability. So if we look at homicide statistics in South Africa, women are killed by their partners at a rate that is something like five times the global average. That's appalling. But if you look at murder, but if you look at South Africa's homicide rates overall, you'll find that for every one woman who is killed in this country, between five and six men are killed. That is not women killing men. That is men killing each other. Mm. So quite clearly what we have to focus on is what is this relationship between masculinity and violence? Why do we normalize it? Why do we say it's only a problem when women are hurt, but we are absolutely silent and think it's just fine and, and when, when men are um, assaulting and in other ways harming each other? We need to focus on this problem of masculinity and violence, whether it's directed towards women, children, or each other, and try to alter that. Because if you continue to just focus on women, we again suggest, okay, women need to be wrapped in cotton wool, they shouldn't be going out at night, we must protect them and men must man up, which is a deeply sexist set of gender norms that we are not undoing. We're at the same time as we are paradoxically trying to address gender violence. Mm, because, and, and, and what you're saying, I mean, um, makes sense to me mm. on this level that if you then push that to its natural conclusion and you delineate, then naturally, if men are that violent with one another mm. and against one another, what happens to the weaker ones in that mm. pack? Who do they then lash mm. out against? Mm. I mean, there's certainly that to be to be thought of. And I think there's also an enormous amount of bullying that goes on of boys because they're sissies. They're not, they're small, they're thin, they're not proper men, they can't fight back. So I think all, we, if we want to be serious about dealing with gendered violence in South Africa, we, look at, we need to look at how gender not only shapes women as victims, but we also need to look at how it shapes women as perpetrators, men as victims and men as perpetrators, and really try and channel that. Mm. Because you're quite right, you know, somebody who cannot go and hit their boss because their boss has annoying, been annoying them all day. It's a crude example. Will go home and will take, will displace his frustration on somebody who society has said can be a legitimate victim because she didn't say hello to you in the right way when you came home and the house wasn't clean and the children were making a noise and you're under stress and she's not respecting that. So if you hit her, it's only understandable because you're under stress. Hmm. And, of course, uh, we want to hear from you as well, 891 You can SMS us on 40938, tweet to Facebook at AM Live on SAFM. Please use the hashtag AM Live. And I'm um, turning now to Bukelwa, and I, I, I just want to try and paint a picture for you. And beautiful young girl, um, missing some teeth, has scars on her face. Um, and this all happened on the 12th of February this year. So all still very fresh. Mm. Um, But I'll let you tell the listeners the story of what happened to you. Okay. Um, Yeah, I was traveling from the mall uh, going back home. So uh, I use public transport. I use taxis. So when I get to the rank, I have to now take another taxi that will take me home. So that's two taxis, right? Um, I got off the first taxi 
and uh, I noticed a car like uh, it parked in front of me but I was like you know what people park anyway anyway so um, yeah uh, I walked past the car a few steps past the car and after that I just you know felt somebody grabbing onto me uh, and he was behind me telling me not to do anything stupid I will get hurt and I should get inside his car so I wasn't sure whether he had any weapons behind me you know so I, I decided not let me do as he says and um, I don't know I I might get hurt you know let me just do as he says so I got in the car and we drove off um, yeah as soon as that happens I was my my brain was still frozen I wasn't thinking of anything at that time but uh, I remembered you know what um, I remembered something I taught myself in a very from a very young age that if you ever find yourself in such a situation don't panic because one thing I've noticed about rapists and uh, people who, who serial killers is that they find joy in seeing you uh, suffer when they see you scared or when they see you in in pain it, it sort of gives them a rush so I try not to panic because of those reasons thinking I might satisfy what he's trying to do to me by make by panicking so I said to myself you must think of a way out you know when you're scared it sort of blocks your mind so Try not to be scared, but try to think of a solution. Try to think of a way out. So while he was driving, while I was thinking of all these things, I looked outside the window and noticed that the door was unlocked. And that's when I decided, you know what? Let me jump out of this car. There's no either, other way. I have nothing to lose anyway because he was going to go and kill me, you know. And I'm like, but if I die, I would have died a, a fighter, you know, I would have fought for my life. So, yeah, I jumped out of the car, and the minute I got up, um, I started running, of course. That's the first thing I started to do. I thought to myself, I'm bleeding, and I might have broken my bones, mm. so I need to start moving fast before I actually start feeling pain. That adrenaline has kicked in my body, so I have to start moving fast. So that's when I started running. And uh, I saw him make a U-turn, and I thought to myself, okay, there's a bush there. So lying lie on the ground, and because I was wearing white T-shirts, I had to cover myself with uh, grass. So I did that. And um, he passed, and I got up, and I started running again. And he made another U-turn, and I did the same thing. And um, when I got up, I got up too quickly because he saw me. But then uh, there were cars driving behind him, so he couldn't really ma make an immediate U-turn. So by the time he made a U-turn, I wasn't too far from the garage. So he came and parked in front of me. And I thought to myself, you know what, I have to start running now. If he has a gun, he's going to shoot from behind. So I'm thinking, what, what, what I was watching from one of the movies, right, is um, even snipers can't get a clear shot if you run in patterns. Mm. So I thought to myself, just run in patterns. 
just run in patterns till you get to the garage. So I ran in patterns and eventually I got to the garage and that's when I got help. I called my mom and I told her, hey, I've been abducted. And she's like, what? I'm like, yeah, that's, um, you're going to find me at bar. I'm just going to go register myself. And people, some, um, I was lucky enough to find a, a couple traveling with a child. Um, they took me then to the hospital, which was three minutes away. Then I registered myself. And by the time my mom got there, I was still, yeah, I was in pain. I was in pain. That's when I started feeling pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You still have the physical scars. I mean, Mm. those haven't even healed yet. Mm. I can't begin to think, what are you going through emotionally? Because as you said, you know, there is that adrenaline rush, um, the natural instinct to survive Mm. that kicks in. Mm. But the day after? Um, Like, the day after, I was very happy to be alive. Mm -hmm. I think those are one of the things I was happy about. I mean, at some point when I was at the doctor, before he stitched up my face, he gave me this, like, strong, I don't know what that thing was, but it totally knocked me out. I thought I was dead for, like, two minutes. And that moment right there, you know, that moment where I felt like my spirit was, was you know, detached from my body, and... I opened my eyes and I realized that I was still alive and my face was stitched and I just felt lucky to be alive, you know, mm-hmm. and I didn't think of anything else. I was like, I survived and that man didn't win. He didn't win because I got off that car. He didn't do what he wanted to do. And every day I tell myself he didn't do what he wanted to do. So if I let the thought of this event depressed me. That's me giving power to this man. So I didn't want to give him that power still because I said from the beginning, I won and I'm still winning each and every day. Well, did you get a good look at this guy? You know, do you remember his face? I, um, because it was dark and I'm pretty blind. <laughs> so, uh, and funny enough, I was wearing my glasses that day. But they actually broke when I got off the car. Um, but I, I, since my sight is not that good, I remember people with their smile. And I remember the voice. Um, I remember, like, the shape of his body. Because I was only sitting next to him, right? So I only saw his side view. I couldn't see his front view of his face so i remember like things that the voice uh, how he smells the shape of his body and um the watch he was wearing um yeah so i still remember such details and the car were you able Uh, to yes because now the car was parked in front of me i that's the first thing that i noticed before he actually came behind me uh it was a navy uh, polo player and it had like a white fender they said it's a fender there you know that part uh mm-hmm. right above the the tire yeah and yeah by the bonnet so yeah it had a white fender it's like he he replaced that part so um unfortunately i i didn't 
I wouldn't have gotten time to get, to get the number plates. And uh, so when I went to the police station, that's one of the things they wanted. But And I don't have a case number. I don't know why I've reported it. Um, but, but what do you mean you don't have a case number? I went to the police station and I reported, right? And they called me. I could barely walk when I went there. But I, I said to myself, let me report this immediately. Two days after, they called me and I said, you know, I can't walk. Can you rather come to my place? Mm-hmm. And I told the detective, you know what, I, I got a lift from um, the lady next door. She's going to bring me there. He's like, I'm knocking off at three. And it was quarter to three. And I'm like, oh, okay, no, that's fine. Let me finish with my doctor's appointments. I will, I will talk to you. So I called several times and he was never there. And... Um, I just said to myself, you know what, this is, is, there's, there's no use in this case because they keep asking for a registration number. How am I going to get a registration number? There aren't any cameras at Para. The, he didn't go into the garage. It's not like they, they would have gotten his number plate there from, the, from the videos. So I don't know, I, and I, there's no help for me. I can't find this guy's registration number. I just n- really know what the car looks like. And that's all I have. I'm so sorry for what mm. you had to go through. And that is um, d- a 24-year-old Bukelwa sharing her story with us. And it is a frightening one, Lisa. Yes, it is. And I think Bukelwa is to be congratulated for having been so quick on her feet um, and in, in, in trying to ensure that he didn't do anything more, uh, worse to her. But I think she's raising some other important questions which is about the role of policing in creating safety. You know, we might want to run programs to change behavior, but the fact is that some behavior is not, we're not going to succeed in that. And for that, we need to have effective policing. We need to ensure that when there is a report, somebody who is exhibiting behavior like this, which is very predatory, and I'm sure it won't be the first or the last time, that there is proper policing to ensure that you find who this person is and remove them in order they don't pose a danger to others. Mm. And as I said, um, the women with me in studio are survivors. Unfortunately, there are those who didn't. Mm. Yeah. And their families live with this. And um, there was a message earlier from uh, one such family member who says, I lost two sisters in my family and we felt helpless as a family. No one was arrested. The pain is rekindled again and again. Um, No vigorous counseling will help me. And this will haunt me until the day I die. Well, thank you for tuning in to the Forum at 8 this morning. And um, we are looking at the violence perpetrated against women uh, in particular and, of course, children as well in our society. But then, of course, as we touched on earlier, it's, it's violence against everybody in the society that is finding ways of manifesting. And we, we need to try and find solutions. We need to try and find a way to move forward. And I, I would be particularly interested in hearing if there are any people who have solutions, ways in which we can move forward, find a way to deal with the scourge um, th- that is, it really is paralyzing our society. Um, you can't go anywhere. You can't do anything uh, because... There's this new trend as well whereby they don't just hijack you because, see, now they can't just break into the car, the criminals. They need um, uh, to have the keys. And for some reason, they are now taking 
the victims with them. Mm. Uh, who knows what for? Mm. And some, again, have been lucky. Um, they've been dropped off elsewhere, but some are not so lucky. Mm. So how do we deal with all of these things? I don't know. I don't have the answers. But let's hear from some of our listeners, uh, Lisa Vetten and uh, Bugela Morane, our guests this morning, 891 uh, in Durban, good morning to you. Hello, are you FM? You're welcome, Tabile. Yes, yes. Um, I am. Um, I'm very sorry about the young lady who's been through so much. I really feel it. I know people of my age, because I'm almost 40 years old. Uh, maybe uh, she could be my daughter. You know, um, I'm very sorry of what happened to her. Um, but just maybe to say something, you know, I think I agree to the basic thing through that we should look at families. Mm. We should look at um, how do we bring up our families, how do we bring up our child, how do we bring up our, our, our sons in our families. Um, I mean, I think we we too busy chasing um, uh, other things out there um, instead of uh, focusing on families. We should actually uh, teach, you know, in families, we should teach our sons that it's not right to, uh, you know, hit a, a woman and things like that. And, and we should just focus on families. We don't have time for our kids. We, we're too busy with everything. We're too busy with mothers now and, and fathers. We're too busy with work. And maybe um, the children are being looked after by a maid. Maybe a maid is also getting paid. Maybe who doesn't care so much about kids. Or what, what time do we give our children as parents? We should go back and look at what we do as parents because we get to these children. So what do we do for them to make sure that we plant a good seed so that they grow up to be good adults? And also, it's important that um, whatever whatever child that we're bringing up, we bring up in, in a good way, in a good society. Remember in the olden days, the, the neighbor's child was my child. So we, we bring them up in a good way because tomorrow that child could be, a, 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 you know, a, a criminal because of, of the mere fact that he was never brought up in the right way. But if he had a neighbor who was looking after the child well, some, some neighbor who was caring for the child, that child would learn to care for another person. So it's all about it's humanity. We go back to humanity and caring for each other. So okay. I think that's, that's, that's basically the answer. Thank you so and, much. And, we're not, we're not, we're, and I don't think that we are equals. We, we're really not equals because I'm just making an example. There's something that, you know, my husband can do that sometimes I cannot do as a woman. It's, it's true. I mean, I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't hit my husband because I believe that he's much stronger than me. So we need to teach our husband that you need to respect a woman, respect her and treasure her because she needs to be treasured and, you know, things like that. Okay, thank you so much, uh, Tabile in Durban. Uh, we are in Bedford View. Good morning. You know, this is how I feel. I always think that we live in a country where the citizens are not protected, not especially under ANC. Criminals, rapists, kill, killers, they do as they please because they can get away with it, because there's no law and order under ANC. I mean, the only answer... You guys present, as you always use the term I don't like. You are not a barbaric country. I don't know what it means. I mean, if you kill someone, you have to be killed. 
not this thing we're going to be sending there for 20 years with a degree will come back. And the things that you are doing in South Africa, these guys, they can do as they wish. Rampant or sad injections, you see. There's no way. If you hand by mistake, your ancestors were not with you. Go to Botswana. These guys, they are gone by now. But in this country, they are still walking the street. I mean, this is not on. Rampant or sad injections must kill these guys. This will stop. That's it. Thank you, Vuyelwa. Uh, and inevitably, you know, we, we will get dragged into many side issues as well and i'm going to try and contain it but i'm not going to try and stop you from expressing your view on this particular matter uh lucas in emelatheni good morning mm-hmm. Okay, Lucas. And um, uh, just for the benefit of those who may not have understood, uh, Lucas is saying uh, this is uh, beyond just the police. It's about the criminal justice system. It's about the judiciary. The fact that, you know, uh, people uh, not really getting uh, their uh, comeuppance, as it were. You know, if you kill you should be killed. Mm. Uh, going back to that argument, uh, and many people this morning have raised the issue of bringing back the death penalty and saying that, you know, we are the society, we are the ones who should decide how to deal with these issues. It should not be about government telling us that we should not be doing that. We should inform the constitution, we should inform government about how we want to deal with issues such as these. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, thanks for your contribution. Let's go to Standerton. Nkululego, good morning to you. Hello, Sakina. Hi. Um, Sakina, I'm very worried, you know. It is very true. It seems a reflection that society is now interested in abusive cultures. But then if you can look at this, throughout history, women have always been subjected to inferiority. But that's what it needed. It's fine because back then we used to subscribe to the laws of nature. But then time evolved. We are in time of civilians now. But now the root cause to all of this, in my view, is patriarchy. We rather seem to forget a lot or rather neglect patriarchy. We should teach people what patriarchy is, where it stems from, and what are, what are its possible effects. For an example, just to offer from the issue of violence, for me as a guy, my sisters, even though they know become a womanizer, I have 10 girlfriends, 15 girlfriends, they would still expect me to find a perfect wife, a very innocent child. But for my neighbor, Upaliza, who has been seen jumping from cars to cars to cars, my own sister or her own sister as well, will judge her and say that she doesn't deserve to find a better man. So it, go, it goes to all spectrums. It goes beyond violence. 
patriarchy is a system which is crushing us today, and no one seems to be focusing on it. I think we should talk about patriarchy and teach people about patriarchy, because even today the campaigns which are fighting, waging for women's interest, they tell they say men must protect women, men must do this, men are trash, men all everything, men, men, men. So we still subscribing to the laws of patriarchy and the laws of nature, subjecting women to inferiority and men to superiority. Thank you. Thank you so much. Nkululeko Mthengi Bengu says um, daily children go to bed starving while millions are spent on extravagant, useless things. And yet we expect a normal society. And Sminya Ndwandwe says, where is leadership of this country? Uh, In the absence of leadership, the nation is doomed to experience rape and killing. Mm. Uh, Let's hear from Anonymous in Limpopo. Good morning. Hi, Sakina, how are you? Well, and you? I'm fine. Yes, um, uh, this, this challenge uh, surely has been there, it is there, and it might even continue to, to be there. And we don't have to give up. We just have to approach it in different, many different ways. I've listened to many conversations on radio, but I think I missed where, one where they are religious leaders to talk about this, uh, this issue. Because for me... This issue goes deeper than uh, people walking around and doing funny things. It is a spiritual problem uh, from a, a religious, from a Christian point of view, uh, uh, the way I see it. Uh, my experience is I've dated a lady that behaved in a funny way. Then, you know, later on she ended up confessing to say she was molested by two close uh, relatives while she was young and later on when she was a... Uh, she was a teenager, she was raped. That's the confession. Then she was trying to explain why she's behaving in that manner. Then I tried to organize uh, uh, consultations with the uh, psychologists and so forth. It didn't work. She came back like kind of worse until I personally uh, chose to go to church maybe two, three years ago. And I started to realize that, you know, there is a lot that I could ever happened and I feel also I was I'm lucky to be here where I am because I could have caused a lot of harm to her maybe even killed her because I wouldn't have knowing what is going on with her and then it was clear that this this these issues they need to be approached from a profe- professional point of view and as well religiously parents have a big role to play uh, in, a, in, in in a manner of monitoring and also conscientizing their children about religion because themselves have to fall under some some religion. There are a lot of religions that obviously condemn these behaviors, and I think religious leaders need to play a role in the more in the main because we can scream and say whatever, but this is a spiritual problem. Let me ask you this, anonymous. Um, and and again, a few other people have also said we should look at the, you know the spiritual side of things. Uh, so that is noted. But why would you say that you probably would have killed her? Why would you say that? I, I, I would say that because I didn't take any medication to to for that for that feeling that I know now to disappear. I I was prayed for for it to disappear. I didn't consult any doctor. That's when I realized there was something inside me that would have pushed me to do a lot of harm. And right now, that's something since I got prayed for, deliverance and so forth, it's gone. That is my explanation. And I wish if everyone can just follow this 
this this trend to say this is a spiritual problem, and nobody, not even a pro. If you realize, you will see that these uh, pedophiles who are even professionals to say that being a professional doesn't even heal, uh, uh, you know, these sicknesses. So there is something that causes even professionals and everyone. This this thing cut across. Uh, uh, useless guys, guy in the street will do the same, and uh, a, a middle class man will do the same. A rich man will do the same. A professional will do the same. So you, you see, there's one problem that is affecting everyone indiscriminately. So mm. people and, and, are probably missing the point. And I'm sure there there will be many names for it. You know, depending on uh, which sector of society you speak to about this. But I'm still concerned because. When it got to the point where you felt that you may probably kill her, I- I'm just, you know, curious. If it gets to that point, why not walk away? Why not divorce yourself from the situation? That's where the spiritual point, that's why I'm thinking uh, a, a pastor, you know. Ah. Uh, we've lost anonymous there. Apologies, uh, because I'm, I'm I'm really interested to understand. And and this doesn't just go for um, cases in the extreme, but even when we are talking about domestic violence, where you know someone slaps the other person, if it gets to that point where you feel this is where it's going, what is it that stops us from walking away? from getting out of that situation and just moving away from it. Um, I remember someone saying, um, if it ever, if I ever feel the need to put my hands on a woman, that relationship is over. Mm. Why can't we have more of that? Mm. Just a thought. Uh, good morning. Just a thought. Uh, good morning, Good morning, Sakina. How are you? Well, and you? I'm good, Sakina. Sakina, mine is that we need social mobilization and this is pure criminality and and the people who are perpetuating this famous crimes we know them we know them Sakina and what I think is that we need social mobilization we need campaigns as much as a month ago we mobilized people we mobilized society to march against the removal of the president let's go out there let us be seen to be saying something let is it wrong for the country to develop special legislations to deal with this thing because we have special tax forces that have been set up to look into this matter. I think we need something special as a deterrent, Sakina, that would respond to this particular thing. It's like we are in a season of killing women and banning them. And this season, it can't, we can't have such a season in our country, not in this democracy, Sakina. So I think government must come out and step out and speak, begin to speak and talk, leave politics behind. And, and, and political parties must, must then force and say, let's go to parliament. Let's look into, let's debate and look into how we can respond as a government to this thing. Mm-hmm. Society must come out. We must have these street meetings. We must talk about this thing. Women must be advised. Avoid uh, secluded areas. Avoid traveling. Children, uh, our, our, our kids who are in universities, avoid certain areas. Avoid certain things. I know sometimes it is difficult. But let us be, we need social mobilization. We need to talk again more about this thing. We need to protect and conscientize women about this thing. So, so we can't have this season, Sakina. As much as we set up in special things, let us be special uh, legislation that will try and deal with this. Special court responding adequately and ruthlessly to this particular heinous crime. These people need special sentences so that a lesson and a message must be sent to the community or to, to be the perpetrator that they will be dealt with harshly. 
I don't want to go to the argument where people must be killed when they kill. I know it's tempting, Sakina, given the current situation in this country, but we need something special to respond to this. That's my contribution. Thanks. Well, thank you so much, Itumeleng. Um, l- let me um, give you a chance to respond to that, and, and, and quite a few issues being raised, mm. uh, Lisa, but, you know, uh, as best as you can. Mm. I mean, I think to go back to something I said at the beginning, this is a complex problem and there isn't going to be one solution and all solutions will not work in the same way for everybody. So your anonymous caller, I think what's important about what he said was that he recognized he had a problem. Mm. For him, spirituality worked. For somebody else, it might be something completely different. But But the fact that he recognized he had a difficulty was extremely important. I think if you we, if we look at Bokelo's experience, what that starts to tell us is that if one of the ways in which we could think about making an intervention is to look at our environments. How safe are they? What Are our public spaces, do they provide opportunities for crime or can we recreate them in, in, in some ways that they are safer? So, for example, one could think about things like why do the taxi industry not think about possibly putting in place security guards, especially at night time when it is dangerous? Because if you look at patterns of rape in South Africa, you'll see it happens early in the morning and at night uh, and over weekends and in the evening. So clearly what that's telling you is that there's either sitting and potential rapists know that women are going to work or someone's mm. going to work. So you go to the places where you know women will be. They're mm. at the station at 5 o'clock in the morning. They're at the taxi rank at 6 in the morning. You will find victims there. Mm. So I think you try and look at how do you, in terms of the environment, how do you make it safer? Places where there's lots of long grass, which can conceal somebody. Lighting. You do those sorts of things. That's the one kind of option. The other kind of option you put in place might be things like parenting programs. You know, parents struggle. They may have lots of difficulties um, trying to manage their lives and those of their children. And so you can look at how do we create parenting programs that when a a parent is struggling, there's somewhere they can go and talk to who can help them deal with their feelings and make them feel like such terrible people because they want to hit their child, for instance. Mm. So that might be another option that you look at. Then you look at potentially, I mean, I'm, I'm afraid in some situations, we can educate and run as many awareness campaigns as we like, but there are still those who are going to behave violently. So then you must create safe options for someone to go to. So you, cr- you ensure that there are shelters for, for women when they, need, when they need somewhere to go. And here I think we need to start talking about things like why, have serv- why has funding to services in this country not increased in the last 10 years? In fact, why is it being withdrawn? Mm-hmm. And I'll give you an example. A shelter in Bloemfontein, the last shelter in Bloemfontein closed in about 2014. Last year, one woman in Bloemfontein was killed and another was left permanently disabled because they had both gone, both gone to get protection orders in the morning. There was no shelter for them to go to. They had to go home. That was their partner's response. Hmm. So I think we look at how do we create safety because we're going to need that as well. Then we look at how do we create an effective policing system? How do we ensure that when somebody beha- demonstrates behavior, like in Bacalwa's case, that person gets found because that is probably not a once-off behavior. That could well be the kind of behavior that escalates. So we ensure that the police are made more effective. We look at our courts. How can we make the systems work better? How do we prepare victims better to go to court so they feel like they're being supported and most of all that they feel they have justice? Because sometimes I think that's what people are talking about. They have a sense that there's no justice. These things happen to them, but nobody cares. There are no consequences. So we also need to ensure that we have two things, that which looks at trying to prevent and deter, but that which provides justice when we couldn't do that. Yeah. Um, Ugelwa, let me give you an opportunity listening to what people are saying. You know, mm. would you like to respond to some of that? Um, 
I like what uh, Lisa has been saying. You know, uh, there's a lot of things that still need to be done in this country, and um, a lot of things we need to implement. But uh, now it doesn't take one person; uh, it takes the whole nation to 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 come together and come up with solutions and strategies to solve this problem. You know, because we honestly don't feel safe in Soweto. We it's 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 a very it's becoming very dangerous. You know, men are supposed to be there to protect us, but they they're the ones who are hurting us. So and we we need to seriously we need to seriously fix the policing department because um, they're not doing anything to help us. You know, we eventually give up on even going to report cases of abuse because they're not giving us enough help, you know. So a lot of things need to be done. We can talk about this the whole day. We we can make a trend on social media. But if nobody takes a stand and decides, you know, I'm going to do this, then it will just be uh, uh, an ongoing problem. And um, I was talking to somebody and telling them, you know, there's a lot of things like self-defense that are, that people have already done and people are not taking part in those things. I, for a fact, wasn't taking part in those self-defensing classes, you know. Oh, you know? And, uh, yes, I am going to go to join um, those boxing clubs and try and get myself, like, um, tough, you know, like train myself to, to, to defend myself when um, I find myself in a vulnerable situation and uh i i was telling people that i think every girl should be equipped with a pepper spray or a taser you know so that they can easily protect themselves when they find themselves in in these situations and those things i mean what i was talking to my friend you you have 100 rand right and you're thinking about your needs instead of buying this pepper spray you know and i think somebody should should be able to like the same thing as they give away condoms to protect us from other things. We should get pepper sprays to protect women from violence. There's a question here about um, we should start by trying to find out who these perpetrators are. Mm. There's quite a bit of research that starts to tell us some of this and starts to tell us a little bit about you know the factors that can play a role in this. So, I mean... It's, and it's part of the reason why I keep highlighting children, adversity, abuse, and neglect. And, I mean, you must remember that a middle-class child can be neglected. They can have all the toys, Trappings. food, etc. But mm. emotionally, they may not feel particularly wanted um, in their homes. So I think we need to look very much at children's circumstances. Because if you create, if, if children are born into and live difficult circumstances, mm. it makes life that much harder for them as adults. So we need to put a lot of effort in trying in, in trying to address that, which is why we also need to put a lot of effort into domestic violence because we also know that particularly for boys who have been abused and for girls who have been abused, unfortunately there's a risk for the girl to become a victim and the boy to be a perpetrator. That's yeah. always the case. Sometimes the roles can swap. But nonetheless, we know enough about that to be thinking that domestic violence ought to be a priority. Mm. I mean, so th- there's that. We also know, I think, that the men who do this are not necessarily we always love to blame unemployment that's not necessarily the case in fact some of the research that's been done looking at men who rape suggests that often they're men who come from homes which were not poor um but they had just enough in life to want to aspire to more but they don't have the resources to be able to do that so i think what that's also telling us about 
telling us a little bit about is that in for particularly for young men, they have a lot of aspirations, but they're living in a society where unemployment rates are high and where all the kinds of things that you are encouraged to do if you are a man are not available to you. And where you can sometimes find some young men feeling resentful towards women because they feel, why are women being favored over me? Mm. I, ought to be, I ought to be getting these opportunities. So I think we can start to see from a little bit of what I've sketched where we would need to focus. And I think if we, if we listen to your, if you remember, go back to the, the call at the beginning, he was talking about jealousy. In some ways, that is, that is the research that suggests that's the most common precipitating factor in why women get killed. A partner who is very jealous and obsessive, and secondly, you wanting to end or leave the relationship. So I think we should be looking at jealousy. Quite often, you know, it can seem very flattering when somebody's mm. SMSing you all the time and always wants to know where you are and always wants to be seeing who's calling you and is going through your phone and wants to go everywhere with you. That's not good. But yeah. see, um, there's a part, and, and, and this is where it cuts deep, because um, we come from a time where women used to brag to one another that you see, oh, I have a black eye today. Uh, oh, Tawa loves me so much. Uh, you know, he didn't like that I was doing this and therefore he beat me up. You know, and that's something, unfortunately, we, you, you could, people start with their children. I'm only hitting you because I love you. Mm. You're telling a child from a young age that violence and being hurt go together. Yeah. So, you know, that's a, that's a real problem for an adult. So I think we need to think really carefully about that. Because if you if you told, oh, I lo- it's only because I love you so much that I'm hurting you, it's a very confusing message. So I think it also talks about how do we think about love, romance, relationships? Um, how do we deal with difficulties in our relationships? Why do we normalize jealousy and think that it's flattering? So I think you know, it's, it's not just about how we bring up children. It's also about our social norms around how men and women conduct their relationships with each other, or even if in the same-sex relationship, because you see very similar problems within gay and lesbian relationships as well. How do we think, what do we think love looks like? Is it smothering? Is it possessive? Is it one where if somebody doesn't behave in the way you want, you punish them by being silent, withdrawing, or threatening them mm. so that they then change their behavior in order not to lose your affection? Those are the sorts of things that we also need to look about is what are our sociocultural norms around how we relate to each other and how do we shift that and not make jealousy look and, like a and, good and, thing. And those are the type of conversations that we don't have or we don't, no, we don't have enough of. Mm. Um, I, I cannot remember, you know, talking about what does love look mm. like, mm. you know, mm. we, and these are conversations, you're so right, that we should have. Mm. I think if we start talking about these things, uh, then we'll be able to groom and re- like rebuild the younger ones. You know, if honestly, like I don't know anything. Uh, the the only thing I know about a relationship is that a man's supposed to be jealous and a man's mm-hmm. supposed to hit me to put me in line. If I know that, obviously, I'm gonna raise my child to to live the same way. And I mean, I have a four year old daughter. If I say it's right for her dad to hit me, that means I'm saying it's right for your partner to hit you and you must submit to everything he says. You must be obedient. I think we, we, we need to get involved with our parents. I mean, I'm 24, right? And um, the generation before me, I think they still have that old mentality that women are supposed to submit to men and women are supposed to be obedient to what their men say. So I think us as... Uh, um, People in my generation, like my people 
and, and who are as old as I am, we need to start talking about these things. We need to start standing up to our parents and saying, no. If if you see that your dad is hitting your, your, your mother, mm-hmm. you need to stand up and say, no, dad, it's wrong. It's wrong. And speak up for your mother. Because they honestly, I've noticed in so many families, they honestly don't see that it's wrong for a man to hit you. And you grow up taking... Like knowing that it's okay for a man to hit you. Well, you see how much we still need mm. to discuss. Yeah. But I can't thank you enough uh, for uh, coming through and sharing your time with us this morning and your story. Thank you for your bravery, um, Abugelwa Moirane and Lisa Vetten. A pleasure as always. Thank and you. thank you for participating this morning. And um, I am aware that there's a problem in the Durban area. We will podcast uh, the show so you can go onto the website uh, to listen to it again. Thank you, everybody. It's time for the news now with Nomsan Vluli.